0: We present the news quiz with your host, Sandy Toxfig.
1: Hello and welcome to the news quiz. We start with a cutting from the Headley Parish News read by Harriet Cass.
0: Eight choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and the deterioration of some older ones.
1: <laughs> and our thanks to Mike Head for sending that in. Now let's meet the teams. Will you welcome, first on my right, Francis Ween and Mark Steele. Opposite them on my left, Jeremy Hardy and Andy Hamilton. (laughs) Francis, which green movement has taken to the tweets?
2: Is it the Iranians? It is the Iranians. They've been closed down bit by bit, emails and internet and stuff, but they're somehow doing it through Twitter. Did you see, Hazel Dears joined Twitter this week. I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if... uh, (laughs) (laughs) She fancies her political future in Iran. Um, (laughs) She could be uh, the perky one in the Ahmadinejad government. Oh, she,
3: yeah. she, <laughs> she'd be, and then, and then she go, oh, right, and a couple of years, OK, so I've claimed for two mosques.
1: Do you not think with them jamming the BBC... Actually, it sounds quite good, jamming the BBC. Yeah. And stopping all the distant journalists that Gordon Brown must be looking on rather wistfully. <laughs>
2: well, well, it, it must be because in Iran they have someone called the supreme leader. <laughs> mm. That's Dinah Ross, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Did you see that the Iranian rulers referred to Britain as Little Satan? Don't you think that's sweet? Doesn't sound like somebody who'd play with Dennis the Menace? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what I learnt. I learnt this, which I had no idea. Did you know that Iran's nickname is the nose-job capital of the world? Did you know that
4: Really seriously? Why are you looking at me, Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> and
2: also, George Galloway, among others, appears on this wonderful satellite channel, which you can get, called uh, Press TV, which oh, is right, yeah, yeah. run by the Iranian government, uh, but it's an English-language satellite channel based in London. They haven't really been covering much of the. Uh... They have the morality police show, like Crime Watch.
5: Because <laughs> they've got a morality police, haven't they? Who just oh, right, so the they're streets. sort of
3: like police camera action. Yeah. Look at this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> she thinks she can walk down the street in a knee length skirt, <laughs> but the right. Tehran police are onto her. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> at least that would be exciting. I, honestly, I watched a programme on British television the other day called UK Border Patrol. You know how you see the American ones and they have all this high-tech equipment and computers and forensic science? It, I swear it was two men with one high-visibility vest and a torch. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I just thought the revealing thing in, in, in that item that we just discussed was that Francis was able to get a laugh just with the words George Galloway.
1: <laughs> there yeah. it is again. So if, there's a, if there's a dip in the programme, we must remember that, all of us. <laughs> Mahmoud Ahmadinejad has been declared the winner of Iran's presidential elections despite allegations of widespread electoral fraud sparking mass protests throughout the country. Uh, he is now, according to the polls, Iran's most popular elected official of the past 30 years, which in election-rigging circles is known as doing a Mugabe. <laughs> Two points to Francis Mark. Have a listen to this.
6: I like small feet.
1: Small speakers, small speakers, which speaker had to have the last word?
3: Uh, oh, this is that idiot who's had to resign in the end, isn't it? Michael There's so Martin. many
1: that could be. Yeah, yeah, Narrow yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it down a bit well,
3: more. Except it's the one who was speaker. It always seems incredible now, about three months ago, whenever it was, Jackie Smith's husband was caught looking at two porn films and charging that on expenses. And now, when you think what's gone on since then, it will probably make another apology where he says, I am deeply, deeply sorry for claiming that on expenses. If I'd known what the others were up to, I'd have got King Dong and Chesty Morgan to perform live on my bloody lawn! <laughs>
2: Well do you see even more even more shaming than Jackie Smith's husband and his films in the stuff that was eventually published this week, most of it was edited out with black splodges, but one of the things that survived was George Osborne, who claimed for two DVDs of one of his own speeches. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so yeah. The genius of it is, like, the, the moat man, I mean, genius, first of all, because there was no sort of repentance at all, yes, no, no, not remorseful at all, you know, moat, isn't As if, sort of, that was essential to his job, because otherwise constituents would come and see him about their housing benefit problems and go away and go, oh, I don't really trust him, he's got a dirty moat. <laughs> <laughs> But I sort of feel sorry for him because he must have thought, there you are, no-one's going to top that. I've got a bloody moat-cleaning bill got it. Oh, no, someone's beaten me with a duck island. (laughs) The Duck Island,
1: correct me if I'm wrong for us, it doesn't appear at all on the expenses. That's one of the no, things that's, that's been blacked redacted,
2: out. Redacted, as they put it. No, it's all blacked out. I mean, there's almost nothing there. George Galloway's expenses claim. I looked through it, page after page of black, except when you get to some receipts for taxes. For some reason, they haven't redacted them. And one of these things, I think it must have been at the time of the mayoral election in London, on the back of some taxi receipts, there was a Boris Johnson campaign thing. And so one of the receipts he submitted, he obviously sent it in upside down, and it just has pictures of Boris Johnson saying, vote for Boris Johnson,
4: <laughs> I think Hug was just, was just being old-fashioned with his moat. Some people have CCTV cameras and electric gates. Oh, yeah. he, he's he got siege engines and the portcullis. <laughs> Has he
6: got
3: a drawbridge and
5: everything? Presumably, yeah.
1: No, it's a rubbish moat, because it's only on three sides of the house. He hasn't thought that through at all. <laughs>
5: I saw Gordon Brown's expenses, and there were vast tracks which were just black holes of nothingness, and I thought, in a strange way, it looks like a metaphor for his personality.
6: <laughs>
1: Lembitt Obick charged 20 quid for a wig for a charity event. Yeah. It was a bizarre. There are a lot
2: of, of scotch eggs and Farley's Rusks, even more. They're the staple diet of MPs, apparently. Farley's Rusks? MPs. Yes, mm-hmm. Farley's Rusks. The House of Lords, is cos got no teeth.
5: <laughs> but... But we are, shamefully, a member of the News Quiz panel has now been sucked into this
3: mire of corruption. Oh, yeah, Mark. Yes. Hasn't they, Mark yeah. Steele? Well, apparently, Ed Balls, it turns out, bought a copy of my book and then claimed it on expenses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a great whole thing turning circle there, isn't it? Let's get a book on finding out why we've all become a bunch of thieving pigs... And then claim it on expense. You should give
4: us the money back, Mark. Yeah. That's yeah. our money, that's tainted, tainted money.
3: Yeah. I'm not going it's to. It's dirty I've money, hard Mark. For it, and I've <laughs> not broken any rules, and I'm keeping the royalties. That's how much is the book? Yeah, you're tainted about now. Six quid of
5: taxpayers' money yeah. Yeah. that you <laughs> that you have pocketed there. Thank it's
1: God you're right. working for free this evening. <laughs>
3: Uh,
6: George
3: Galloway, though, I Francis. Just I, I, it, it works one... every time, I tell <laughs> you. There is one sense in which he is worth the public money because there is a phone in show that he does on Talk Sport. Just people ring in with their opinions and he talks back to them like it f- happens on a phoning show, and it's genius because all he does is he just addresses everyone who rings in like he speaks all the time, as if he's talking to a million people in a rally in Brazil or something. Let me put it to you, your vice and obfuscations will render you liable to nothing more than the ignominious descent into oblivion that has been rendered inevitable. By your own obfuscations and backsliding like spittleness. <laughs> that is all I have to say to you, Dave from Basingstone. But
1: well, it was two points to mark. Uh, Michael Martin is leaving the job of speaker to spend more time with his money. <laughs> because it was his last day, the MPs were allowed to bring in games. <laughs> Most of them brought Monopoly. Uh, (laughs) Some brought Risk, while Gordon brought in Solitaire. (laughs) Two points to Mark. Uh, Jeremy, who doesn't want us to mention the war, at least not in public? Well, it's Iraq.
4: Iraq, which frankly gives war a bad name. It's an unpopular one. Not even the army's very keen on it, and they can normally be relied upon to be quite militaristic. <laughs> but, um, what's happened is... Uh, Brown finally announced that there would be an inquiry, but it wouldn't... It would be secret. So it wouldn't be a public inquiry, it'd be a private inquiry, and then under pressure, cos the words forced into a humiliating U-turn now attach themselves to Brown like a Randy shower curtain. And <laughs> uh, he, um... He, he's now having a sort of public-private inquiry, a sort of partnership, an academy, really. Um, you can't have a secret public inquiry. It's like lying to your therapist. You, get, you learn nothing and you won't change. If you tell your therapist, I could never relate to my father because he was King Triton, ruler of the Mer people," you're never going to get to the bottom of what really happened there.
1: One of the reasons that Brown gave is that he didn't want it to be a public inquiry because he didn't want it to drag on as long as the Savile Inquiry, which apparently cost £182 million and never, ever did find out why Jimmy Savile was famous in the first place. (laughs) Interestingly,
5: they've not got any military personnel on the panel. In fact, it's mostly historians, and I think they're the worst people. To analyse the war, you know, because they'll all come up with
3: some fanciful theory that they can turn into a book. Well, one of them wrote a memo which Blair used as an argument for going to war, and one uh, of them it... said that Bush and Blair will one day be seen the same as Churchill and Roosevelt. But sadly, not Winston Churchill and Franklin. <laughs> they they made Ch- Churchill the
5: Alf dog Ch- in Churchill. the insurance Penny ad. <laughs> And Mr. Percy Roosevelt, that man who stands outside the post office in Putney and shouts at strangers. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't think we need to worry about it being in private. I mean, we all know anything to do with national security is eventually going to be left on a train, and then we'll.
4: <laughs> don't you ever have in public inquiries when it's too late to do anything about it. I mean, they should be having one in Afghanistan, which we are still mired in and into which we'll probably get sucked even further, despite the fact that that war is clearly at a stage similar to the moment at your child's party where you realise you've forgotten to give the other parents a pick-up time.
1: (laughs) Gordon Brown has announced that there will be an inquiry into the Iraq War which will be held partly in secret. The Iraq War inquiry will be fully independent of government, as indeed Gordon will be by the time it reports. (laughs) to be chaired by Sir John Chilcott. Other inquiry members include Marcel Marceau, <laughs> Sweep, Nookie the Bear, Morph, and an Aspidistra called Nigel. <laughs> Two points to Jeremy. Andy, why could using the phone become more taxing? George Galloway. <laughs>
5: It never fails. It's like a 24-carat You've... comedy name. You found the holy grail of comedy. Lord Carter did a report on Digital Britain. It was all about how they're going to have to reshape things in order to make Britain fully digital, and it was, a lot of it was about broadband and how everyone had to have broadband. And Gordon Brown wrote an article in The Times, and he said, and I quote, Broadband is as essential to people now as water and gas. Now, I'd like to propose a little experiment to Gordon Brown. (laughs) I think he should live a week without broadband and then live a week without water. See if he notices the difference.
3: I love the idea of there's villages in the Sudan and that (laughs) where there's people going, we have to walk eight miles now to the broadband well. (laughs) Because it's dried up and and kids all sitting around going, oh, we've been four weeks waiting for the United Nations, for the Red Cross to come and deliver us some Google. (laughs)
5: One of the puffs for uh, the digital revolution... We
4: call them members of the gay community. <laughs>
5: <laughs> one, I'm going to say it again. One of the puffs for uh, the new digital revolution, in inverted commas, was that people would be able to watch, very quickly, very instantly, 24 high-definition channels at once. <laughs> now... A fly with a compound eye (laughs) can watch 24 things at once, but I think that's going to test the limit of... I'm not underestimating the viewer, they're very savvy people, but I think 24 at
6: once...
1: I have to say, I did feel old when I saw the headline, it said, super-fast broadband for everyone, and all I thought was, oh, bloody hell, they'll have the road up again.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and then you'll be without water and
1: gas for six (laughs) months. Lord Carter has published his Digital Britain White Paper, which includes proposals for a 50 pence per month broadband tax on every home and giving some of the BBC licence fee to ITV Regional News. Gordon Brown announced the measure is part of a plan to make Britain the digital capital of the world, following the success of the plans to make Britain the automotive capital of the world, the cricket capital of the world, (laughs) and the financial capital of... Well done there, Gordon. Well, at the end of round one, I can tell you the scores are Francis and Mark have got four points, but so too have Jeremy and Andy. And we start round two with a sign spotted in a Devon pet shop.
0: Budges, £18. Sex not guaranteed.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Roger Griffiths for sending us that. Andy, which animals are coming out two by two?
5: This story has been rumbling through the scientific community for a while and i think for political reasons there's been sort of nervousness about bringing it forward but basically those people who argue that homosexuality is not natural have been rather disproved by the fact that they are finding very large amounts of homosexual behavior in nature amongst animals. There was one extraordinary sentence in an account of the research I saw which said that there were many reasons that made sense scientifically for homosexual behaviour in the animal kingdom and these included natural selection, environmental factors and short-sightedness. <laughs> because, because there are homosexual liaisons which are to do with, like for instance, toads, male toads, jump on any toad that they see but evolution's very clever evolution has given the male toad a very distinctive cry which is the equivalent of get off I'm a, a man but, but
4: I what... think this is something that toads made up to cover their embarrassment I think <laughs> it's like I fell on another toad in the shower
5: <laughs> but also they've discovered lesbian albatrosses now I don't know much about lesbian albatrosses. I just know it's very bad luck to shoot one. Um, <laughs> but it is a very interesting story, and, and there's been research, and in there they did a study about black swans, and they, there's a huge amount of gay black swan couples, and what they do is they abduct a signet, which obviously we're not... If any swans are listening, <laughs> we're not condoning signet napping. It's no. a bad thing to do. <laughs> What's really interesting is they discovered that the success rate in terms of rearing, you know, which signet survived, was higher among the gay black swans than it was among the straight white swans, who I think were all too busy off chasing someone's dog or something. And
3: uh... <laughs> Do you think there are some sort of militant gay black swans who go, and yet despite all of this, the Pond Council is made up of 65% white male swans? <laughs> I think naturalists...
1: I love that. I love that you've got the militant ones and then you've got the flamingos who are fantastically camp.
5: <laughs> oh, I've also heard that huge tracks of David Attenborough documentaries have had bits edited out of them. Show tunes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that wonderful um, remark by Noel Coward it was the days when St Dunstan's Hospital in London was the main hospital for the blind and he was out with his godson in a park and there was a male dog mounting another male dog and the godson said what are they doing he said ah the, uh, the dog in front is blind and the one behind is pushing him to St Dunstan's <laughs> Great Dane in that house
4: we stayed in in Chorley, Mark. About twenty-five years
3: oh, ago. Oh God, yeah, we stayed in this. Um, play. we were doing two or three shows up there about twenty years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah. and it it's was. has like an old people's.
1: Oh time. no, <laughs> no. This was. <laughs> <laughs> they, are yeah, r- they are ridiculous dogs, Great Danes. So I once was looking at a house to buy it, and I said to the woman, "Why are you moving?" She said, "I want to get a horse." She had a Great Dane, and I said, "Get a saddle for the dog." It <laughs> Homosexual behaviour is almost universal in the animal kingdom, according to the latest research from the University of California. Most of the same-sex behaviour in the animal world seems to be males indiscriminately mounting other males because of a lack of females. (laughs) Sounds like (laughs) Eton. Francis, who woke up with stars in her eyes?
2: Lots of stars. It's not the woman who had a tattoo, stars. Yep. Well, she claims, I think this is disputed by the tattooist, but she claims she went into a tattooist and said, can you just do a couple of little stars by the side of my eye? She then fell into a deep sleep. I don't know if that's what people do when they're being tattooed. Woke up and found he tattooed stars all over her face. uh, 56? Yeah. And um, this wasn't quite what she wanted, and she's suing him. He said she was awake throughout and egging him on. you fall asleep while you're being tattooed?
4: (laughs) Well, it's true it's agony, but I've fallen asleep during (laughs) quote-unquote.
1: She does look staggering. I mean, 56 stars. She looks like some sort of chart for McDonald's Employee of the Month. It's amazing. uh, She said there was a communication problem with the tattoo artist. Have you seen the picture? He's got his ears stretched all the way down to his shoulders. He cannot have missed hearing what she said. It's absolutely impossible. She's got a
5: lifetime, hasn't she, of of having to say to people, yeah, there's a story behind this.
1: (laughs) Some women... I mean, I wouldn't have a tattoo, but some women, apparently, you can have your eyebrows... Tattooed. Yes, yeah, you, you shave them yeah, off. And you shave them off you have them tattooed on. But would you not be anxious that the tattooist might slip and you'd end up looking quizzical for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> I did think of having a pair of eyes tattooed on my forehead so I look taller, which I thought. <laughs> Belgian teenager Kimberly Vlemenik has begun legal proceedings against a tattoo artist after claiming she fell asleep and woke up with 56 black stars on her face instead of the three she had asked for. The tattoo artist has said there's no way she could have fallen asleep as he doesn't give anaesthetic because he doesn't like needles. <laughs> <laughs> That's very unliked. Two points. Jeremy, who claims they've been tricked out of a treat by the Catholic Church?
4: This is the Witches of Stockport. Mm. There are these witches in Stockport, in Cheshire, and they hired a church hall, Catholic church hall, for one of their things, and then the church said, hang on a minute, you're witches, that's not really appropriate, which is true, and then the witches massively developed this victimhood and said, oh, this is religious persecution. It's like when Catholics used to burn witches, and you think, well, now, it's true that in this country women uh, were burned and sometimes hanged as witches, largely after the Reformation. Now, Catholics were also burned and hanged for being Catholics. The difference is that those Catholics who were burned and hanged were actually Catholics, whereas there is no such thing as a witch. <laughs> Same sort of offences now. Land you in Bell marshal with a control order. So, basically, you're not... Well, at least become a Jedi because they've got decent special effects... <laughs>
1: Actually, I have to say I was with the Catholic Church on this one, which is quite unusual, because the high priestess said, you don't have to be a pagan to join us, it's an open night with evening gowns and fancy dress and a fantastic Abba tribute group playing. And you think, that is diabolical. And that is... <laughs> that's it's, not proper wit-
5: it's not proper witching either, is it? I mean, no. that's, if it's open to all comers and... If there were witches, which there aren't, Jeremy, because I don't want you to go off on one. My... but if there were, if there were witches, you'd like them to be sort of fairly secretive and furtive. Yeah.
1: So, so she
3: said she'd pick the hall because
1: it had disability access. you think,
3: but they're coming by broom. How? <laughs> what do they do, the pretend witches? Do they never notice that all their spells don't work?
2: <laughs> they must do. Yeah, but you have a very old-fashioned view of witches. They don't do spells these days. They do placebo spells. They're, they, they're... <laughs> it's uh, mainly an excuse just to give yourself silly names, isn't it? I mean, this one was called Amethyst Toodlepip or something, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> But they must get all herbs and boil them and put rats in there. That's a witch, isn't it? No.
3: No, right? I don't. I think it's all done on the internet now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a coven of witches in Manchester has been banned from using their local church hall for a Halloween gathering. The high priestess of the group is Sandra Davis. That's her witch name. Her real name is Doreen. Davis. <laughs> Commenting on the case, the Reverend John Joyce, a spokesman for the diocese, said, Ribbit. (laughs) Right, uh, do not adjust your radio. All will be explained. Andy, listen to this. (laughs) Like a fox playing tennis. <laughs> Andy, who wants to call time on a racket?
5: This is the question of grunting at tennis. I actually live in Wimbledon Park, very close to where the lawn tennis championships are held. Last year I went across in the evening to I didn't go to watch the game, I went to complain about the noise. <laughs> This is about the female players, Mm. people like Sharapova, who make that extraordinary sound when they're hitting a ball. You know, a tennis ball is very light. (laughs) If they were hitting a grand piano (laughs) back across the net, it might justify that kind of sound. But there's a new young player, and apparently what's happening is that she just doesn't go... (coughs) She does a long... (laughs) And it's putting off. The other players at the Paris Open, she was booed by the crowd a bit and it triggered a whole debate. Martina Navratilova said that she thinks that the whole thing is cheating. They've actually measured Sharapova's grunts at 100 decibels, which I think, by law, the crowd are entitled to demand ear defenders.
4: <laughs> do, uh, do her grunt again, Andy. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Number seven, the cormorant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think it's new. I stopped playing tennis. because I kept screaming, I hate this game, let me go back to the library.
4: <laughs> they must be able to control their grunting. Can't they just try and pretend that their parents are in the next room?
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they'll get sponsorship and stuff and they'll, they'll be going, Nokia! <laughs>
1: <laughs> With Wimbledon fortnight about to begin, the International Tennis Federation is threatening to clamp down on excessive grunting. Uh, the screams you heard belong to the loudest player on the women's circuit, 16-year-old Michelle Larcher de Brito, and she was only tying her shoelaces when we recorded that. <laughs> Gosh, you bet her parents will know when she starts having sex, won't you? Um, before we reveal...
3: <laughs> That's probably what it is, it's just a ruse. So then when she can have sex and the parents will go, oh, she's practising again. <laughs> should help the sale of
1: strawberries, something to stuff in your ears. Right. (laughs) Before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings the teams have brought along. Mr Ween.
0: Yes,
2: Sandy, this is published in the West Australian, and it's about a new Tibetan Buddhist temple and run by a man called Les Sheehy and his wife Margaret. It says, Mr Sheehy was ordained as a Buddhist monk in 1977, but after meeting his wife, who was a Buddhist nun, he was disrobed. (laughs)
1: Mr. Steele.
2: This was
3: from the Transport Direct website. Warning, certain combinations of outward and return journeys will result in you needing to leave your destination before arriving at it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hardy. This is from The Times, and it was sent in by Lynn Cuthbert. A 15-year-old boy caused £1.5 million in damage to Manor Comprehensive School in Mansfield, Nottinghamshire, when he set fire to it. The teenager told police that he hated school and wanted to burn it down so he wouldn't have to go. He was given
5: three years' detention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mr Hamilton.
5: This is from Andrew Steins, and it's a reassuring headline from the BBC website. Flu risk still low after death. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let's take a look at the final score I have to tell you both teams have got 12 points so entirely on a whim this week's winners are Francis and Mark <laughs> Uh, Before we leave you, here is a cutting from the Westmoreland Gazette sent to us by Roger Bush.
0: Police made 106 arrests, confiscated weapons, including whips and catapults, and seized drugs and counterfeit goods worth a quarter of a million pounds at last week's Appleby Horse Fair. (laughs) Organisers have hailed the week-long event as a huge success.
1: And with that, goodbye. Uh,
0: Taking part in the news quiz were Francis Wheen, Mark Steele, Jeremy Hardy, and Andy Hamilton. In the chair was Sandy Foxby, and the news was read by me, Harriet Cass. The chairs script was written by Simon Littlefield, Roddy Crooks, and Lucy Clark, with additional material by John Luke Roberts, Ellen Stein, Daniel Payne, and James Mills and Gareth Quinn The producer was Victoria Lloyd.